We're going to wrap up the series tonight in just an explosive fashion, okay? Here's how we're going to do it. Um, <clears throat> you guys have asked several questions over the course of uh, a couple weeks um, back last fall. Um, some of you weren't around for that, which is awesome. Um, you know, we'd love to give you guys an opportunity to ask questions in the future, but um, so here's kind of what I've decided to do is just give you guys the opportunity to ask those questions, and then as we have teaching series that kind of touch on those topics, that we'll just kind of bring those up. And so um, I've selected like all the questions that uh, were from that time. Some of you asked questions last week, which is awesome too, um, and so we're going we're gonna to address all those. But yeah, with just kind of like maybe you're like, man... I haven't been to Fuse in a couple months. Well, let me bring you up to speed. <laughs> we're in this series. Um, yeah, we're not going to do the red flags. We just got, I'll give you one red flag. It's just mine. I had, um, that's right, I completely forgot about that section. Because um, we got a lot of questions to get to tonight. But I had, I was dating a girl. Um, I was dating a girl one time. And uh, this is actually my worst relationship that, that I was ever in. Um, and, and I'm not going to say any more than that. Because uh, this is going to go on the internet. Um, but I'll just say it was not a good thing. It was not a healthy relationship. Um, and one of the red flags that, cause I was, I think I told you guys, like sometimes you got those like blinders on and you're like, everything's awesome. Like the Lego movie. Um, and everyone around you is like, it's not, uh, cause they don't have the blinders on. They're thinking clearly. And you've got these like, right, hormonal blinders on. You're like this person, I'm going to marry them and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. Um, and I, I was in a relationship with someone who honestly was, um, was just uh, from a different family. And she said, this is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration. She said, well, you know, and we had been dating for a, a whole month, 30 days. And she said, well, if you want to marry me, you're going to have to leg wrestle my dad. And I was like, I beg your pardon? And I, I actually probably like, <laughs> you know, and I think at that point in my, does anyone know, leg wrestling's a thing. Does anyone know what leg wrestling is? Does anyone not know what leg wrestling is? Okay. It's amazing. Who said it's amazing? Braden? I, I mean, I've since learned what it is, and I'll destroy literally all of you. Um, it's essentially like you both lie down flat on the floor, but like, like I'm laying this way and someone is laying the opposite way. And essentially, you like, you go one, two, three, and then you like kind of wrap your legs up, and your goal is to flip them end over end. Um, and so these tree trunks right here will, uh, I will not lose to anyone in this room, promise you. Um, so I'm not going to be doing that uh, because I just, you know, so many boundaries being crossed uh, in that moment. But um, she said, I'm going to have, you're going to have to leg wrestle my dad. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, I'm serious. You're going to have to leg wrestle my dad if you want my hand in marriage. And I was like, oh, okay. So check this out. A couple, a couple months later, I visited her family uh, because it was like spring break or whatever. And, and so met, met their family. And it was a whole point of conversation as soon as I walked in. Been dating for like two, three months. And they're like, well, you ready to leg wrestle? And I'm like, you folks, like, this, the marriage conversation should not be happening yet. Leg wrestling, should, that should not be a thing um, at all. And so it was at that point where I started to really like, I think I might be in 
a relationship that I need to get out of. Um, this, is, this is where the red flag had been flying, and I think my friends were like, uh, hey, McFly, like, get, get, get out of this relationship. This is, this is ridiculous. It's a Back to the Future reference for those of you. Nikki, get on it, okay? Watch Back to the Future, please. <laughs> right? When, hey, when the ninth grade girls get on you. Uh, some peer pressure. Um, so that's my, that's my red flag. There's, there's actually probably more, and maybe we'll just continue to tell them throughout. But uh, don't have time for that tonight. I want to show a couple slides to you just to kind of recap the series. Uh, the, the, the big kind of the banner of the idea was sexual integrity, and I just kind of wanted to uh, define that. That's kind of what this series is about. We want you to be able to have this, pursue this, and preserve it. Um, and that's just this, choosing to respond to the sexual things that we think, feel, and desire in a way that respects ourselves, others, and God. We actually last week talked about it in terms of, of the, the, the way you need to behave as it relates to other people, okay? And you need to respect them. You need to see them as an image bearer. You need to see them as someone who's going to be, we probably need to just get rid of all the trash at this point and stop distracting ourselves because we really want your attention for like maybe just 25 minutes here. Um, and so if you're, if you're distracted, let's get undistracted. Okay, cool. This table good? This table good? All right, chill. Um, so, um, hey, attaboy, Samuel. Um, so we want you to have this. And as you go through life, what will happen, especially in these seven years called middle school and high school, You'll have these opportunities to go this way or that way. Here's all I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is to have a very uncomfortable conversation, okay? So that at the very least, what you do is be like, ha that was so awkward. And then you go home and you're like, okay, I've actually got to think about this. I'm fine with awkward, okay? It's actually fun for me because I, like, I, like get, I get to watch y'all squirm um, while I just sit up here and say all the words. But, um, and I will say some more tonight. I guarantee you that. So, <laughs> clutching the pearls. Okay, so I want y'all to have this on lock before you get into the moment where you're having to make a decision. That's it. That's it. So I will, I will gladly let this be an awkward moment because what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in a scenario and you're going to wish that you had made a decision before you were in that scenario. That's it. Okay, so we just want to talk about it so you can think about it so that you can make some good decisions because uh, the decisions related to this topic really, like, they impact the rest of our life. Okay, uh, I'm going to put the next slide up just to make sure that we're all on the same page because this is going to come up with a lot of questions. What is sexual immorality as the Bible? That's a, that's a Bible word, okay? Um, immorality, meaning like lacking morals or lacking uh, the truth of God's word. Any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of God's standard in the Bible, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and so um, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to do, there's like 11 questions that came in over the course of kind of this other series, a couple that came in last week, and I've, I've put them all down. I don't know that we're going to get all the way through all of them. In fact, if we get all the way through them, there's one question that you didn't ask that I want to answer for you anyway, because I'm like, man, I can't believe this question didn't get asked, okay? So we'll see if you guys can, you're like wondering what the question is right now. Well, we'll see. Okay, so <clears throat> let's do it. Question number one. How can I resist temptation? Temptaton. That is a, uh, <laughs> just running through my slides pretty quickly today. Temptation, how do you resist temptation? It's a great question. 
Um, we talked in the series about the boundaries that you need to set. Um, in, in essence, what I want you to do is I don't want you to remember what you care about when someone uh, passes you a joint. You know what I mean? Because when you're in the moment where someone passes you a joint, you need to have that decision made. Because if you don't have that decision made, the pressure of the moment will probably lead you to go ahead and do whatever they're asking you to do. Um, I, I was just talking to some students recently about, um, you know, we're, we're going to be walking through New York City um, with our, our ninth through 12th or 10th through 12th graders here uh, over spring break. And um, it's interesting. New York City is full of, like, salesmen. And, uh, and they're selling all kinds of craziness. And some of them are selling, like, fake Gucci bags. And some of them are selling, um, like, mixtapes. Um, we, we had a friend. Uh, we had a friend. We had a student who was in this student ministry, like, two, three years ago. He, uh, his favorite Marvel character is Iron Man. And um, his name is Michael Martin. Some of you know him. Uh, so he's, he's a couple years older than all of y'all. But uh, we were walking through uh, Times Square and uh, he saw Iron Man. So there's all these people like Spider-Man. There's all these kind of different people. And then what they want is they want you to take a picture with them. And because you're a sweet, gentle human being, you just think that picture is free. And it's not free. And because um, they're salesmen, what they'll do is he'll be like, yeah, yeah, come on, take a picture. It's all chill. It's all good. You know, like this. And so he takes the selfie and they're like, all right, 50 bucks. That's how much that picture costs. And he was kind of, he was kind of, he had kind of segregated himself. He was by himself, sweet little Michael, man. Like he, he did not know how to react. He was like, oh, I'm not, no, like that was free. And they're like, that cost me, the picture's already been taken. And they got kind of in his face. And he was like, oh, yeah, here. And he gave his $50 because he was pressured in the moment. And, uh, and then so we, we meet up, we meet up after he goes, I just took a selfie with Iron Man. It cost me $50. It's all the money I had for my like, my dessert and, like, my souvenirs and all the stuff that we're going to buy in New York City. He's like, that's all the money I had. Like, you took a $50 selfie? And I was like, honestly, what's crazy is you, anything in Times Square is negotiable. Like, you can negotiate anything. But, like, he didn't know that because what did he know? Like, all I know is, I mean, we're just going to take a picture and I'm going to go on with my day. I'm going to have this cool picture with Iron Man, like, to, to put on my my lock screen or something like that, and he lost all his $50. Now, I tell you that story just to tell you this. Like, you get in the moment, and you'll crumble. You'll just, you'll just crumble. And so let's just say it this way. Let's say you don't have boundaries in place, and you're dating, right? There's this beautiful new relationship that you're in, and it's this person that you just are, you're just so enthralled with, and you have this opportunity to go over to their house. You find out parents aren't home, and parents aren't even going to be home for a few hours, and all this happens, and then you're like, okay, so we're hanging out in the bedroom, and we're just kind of hanging out, and nothing's really happening, but then you're kind of like getting closer and closer and closer to each other, and then things start to kind of heat up. Here's what I'm telling you. You have crossed like four or five boundaries before you ever got to that moment. Here's what I'll tell you, okay? I decided early because I had a youth pastor and a small group leader tell me, here's the deal. If the parents aren't home, mm -mm. it's just like off, it's just like off the possibility list. Like if your parents aren't home, I'm not coming over. And then even if your parents are home, we're not hanging out in your bedroom. Because if I find myself at your home, 
and your parents aren't there, and we're in your bedroom, then it's just up to me to make a good decision while my hormones are like trying to make a decision for me, okay? And I, I will just tell you, if you don't have those boundaries in place, and I know you're squirming, can I just tell you, I love you enough to tell you, you will fall, you will fall, and you will make a decision, and then you'll like be on the other end of that decision, and you'll be like, what just happened? It happened so fast. What, like, what do I do now? And you'll wish that you had just made a clear thinking decision. Because there's, we all have times where we're clear thinking. You're not clear thinking in that moment ever. You're just not. You're not going to be. For the next 10 years or so, right, 15 years, your hormones are going to be making those decisions for you. So you got when you're clear thinking and someone says like, hey, you want to come over to my house? Like boyfriend, girlfriend, want to come over to my house? Like, uh, and you, you, you have to deal with the, the peer pressure in that moment, okay? Because this really all does kind of come down to peer pressure and your decision-making ability. I mean, all of us, all of us struggle with making decisions that please other people. All of us struggle with, like, well, am I going to do it? Because, like, I feel like if I don't, if I don't go over to their house, they're going to think I don't like them. No, you have a conversation on the front end about where your boundaries are at. I would also say this. If you're dating someone who's like, yes, you should come over to my house. Like, let's say you're a Christian, right? You're a Christian. You've been through this series. It was awkward. Ah, Mark said all these words. You wouldn't believe it. And then you go home, and you actually want to live this Christian life out. And so you're like, ah, oh, it's awkward, but I'm actually really thankful that he talked about it. And then you make some decisions. And then you date someone who's not a Christian and doesn't care about any of this stuff. Love non-Christians, always welcome here. But I'm just saying, there's some different values, some different beliefs, and we think differently about different things. What if you're the kind of person who says, on my wedding day, when I stare at my spouse on the altar, I want to be able to say I'm a virgin. What if that's your value? I'll tell you, that was my value. And I held to that value. Till my wedding day. It is possible. If anyone tells you it's not possible, I know you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's very personal. It's very, I'm just telling you, like, it is possible if you set these boundaries up, okay? Did I have opportunities to make that mistake? Yes. Am I thankful? So some of y'all are giggling. Let me just make it real serious. I am in a, I am in a marriage, okay? So this is, woo, we're going to get super serious. I'm in a marriage right now where when my wife looks at me, and she knows that I made a decision when I was y'all's age. She's thankful that I made that decision. And that's not everyone's story. I'm not judging. I'm going to talk about that later. But she and I both have that story. We both had that conviction. And we both said, we want to be serious about this faith thing. And so whether it's sex before marriage or whether it's looking at porn or whether it's getting involved in any of these decisions, like, You've just got to be able to make these decisions and resist the temptation on the front end. Now, I want to try to give you scripture without all these. So I, I tried to um, pull, pull some scriptures out. First Peter 4, 7. This is kind of a mess. This isn't really like a clean notes kind of message. Um, First Peter. I didn't write it down. So I'm going to go straight to it. <clears throat> um, it's essentially resist the devil and he will flee from you. Which is like, how do I resist the devil? Resist the devil and he'll flee. It doesn't seem like a how. Yeah. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. No, that's not First Peter 4, 7. What am I doing wrong? I had this in my head earlier. 
So resist the devil and he will flee. Um, so here, here's what I would say. Uh, Romans 6 is going to talk a lot about if you're a Christian. So this is Christians in the room, okay? Let me just talk theologically for really, really quickly. You, do you know the verse? James 4, 7. Thank you. What is, can you just yell it? Resist the devil and he will flee. That's it. Submit. That's actually, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Which reminds me of Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? It says, you want to know what the will of the Lord is? Right? Renew your mind. Don't, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll know what the good and perfect will of God is. And so how do I resist temptation? Well, I, I'm going to stay in the word, and I'm going to know what's, what, you know, if there's a temptation, then I, I'm going to try to steer clear of it. I'm going to see how to see it from far away. Um, and so, again, setting those boundaries up and things like that, but I'm going to stay in the word, um, and then I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to resist the devil. When it comes to those moments, honestly, you know what it is? If I can just be clear, because I'd love to give you like a strategic, well, if you do this, then you'll never be tempted. Like, you're going to be tempted, and you just got to learn how to like recognize it and resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? And I'll tell you how Jesus did it in the wilderness when he was fasting. He quoted scripture every time he was tempted. He just quoted scripture. Now, how much scripture do you know by heart so that when you're in the heat of the moment, you can just quote it? That's the hard thing. No one wants to like... Everyone's like, I want to resist the devil. I want to resist temptation. How much scripture do you know? Oh, I don't do that. Okay. That's like saying, how do you get healthy? I want to, I want to have like a six-pack. And I'd be like the, the most athletic person in the world. And they're like, like, what is your dinner tonight? It's like chili dogs and Fritos. That's it. Like chili dogs and Fritos. Every night of the week is like cheeseburgers and french fries. It's like those two things are not the same, right? Your goals and your discipline are not matching. And so at some point, you just got to, like, plant yourself in God's word. So the fact that you're at Fuse, you've got a huge head start. But if you don't plant scripture in your head and in your heart, you're kind of going to the battle, like, without any weapons. Right? The, the armor of God in, uh, is that Galatians 6? The arm, Ephesians 6. That's it. Thank you. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God. And uh, no, that's right. Galatians uh, 5 talks about the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Um, and so I'm just telling you, like, it's all, it's all over the Bible if you'll just start to read it systematically. And you just have to do it. So how do I resist temptation? Plant yourself in God's word. Have some healthy boundaries. Um, and, and then a couple of my answers are going to uh, double up here in a little bit. Okay, I spent a lot of time on that one. Let's keep going. Number two, I love this one. Why don't guys have one rib cage? Does anyone know what this is in reference to? Adam and Eve. You know what's crazy? I have, um, this question came in, and I was like, huh? Didn't take his whole rib cage out. How many of you were like, you think that like God took Adam's whole rib cage out? Like, it's just, it was just gone. How many of you, like, it's just one little rib? It's just one little rib. Right. That, okay, so that's the way I understand it. Now, I wasn't there. So I had, I, I read this question come in, and then one of my, I have a friend who's older than me. And he goes, do you know what I realized the other day? It wasn't his whole rib cage. It was just a rib. And he said, it made sense, because he said, as a child... In the children's, like, illustrations, the whole rib cage was kind of taken out. 
And that's how he made Eve. And so he's like, always in my head, it was always the rib cage. And I was like, I guess if you just put one rib, like, would it, would it, you was like, what, is that just a random bone? It's like, no, it's this whole rib cage. So anyway, guys have two rib cages. So just congratulations. Um, that's, you know, yes, God made Eve out of Adam's rib. Um, actually, and I, I, I went and found this, Genesis 2. This describes it for you, okay? Um, this is great. We, we're learning. Someone in here is just like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Genesis 2, 20 to 23. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens of every beast. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man while he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the place with his flesh. Which I'm just like, a rib? Like a rib? That's just funny. I mean, like sometimes people ask, like, why did God do this? And I'm like, not a clue. Not, I, not a single clue. And I'm not God, and I don't, you know, he knows better than I do. But. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is the last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And that's it. That's like the, that's, that's what scripture says. And so uh, I have two rib cages, okay? Eve was made out of one of his ribs. I don't, that was not passed down through the DNA, Okay, next. Question number three. Okay, so question three, four, and five are going to go together. This was the most popular question. It'll take some time. Um, Do gay people who have a relationship with God go to heaven or hell? Let me go to question number four. Does Jesus love bisexuals and gays? Five. Why did God make a boy and a girl and not two girls or two boys? Let me start here and go backwards, okay? Because very simply, so you, you might ask me why, and here's what I'll tell you. Uh, sometimes God says, this is true because A, B, and C. It doesn't say why, but I've got my practical reason, and I just want to point you to some scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, uh, and man is mankind. Let, us, let them, them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, you know, all, all this stuff. Okay, verse 27. So he created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. They're like wrestling upstairs or something. Someone go check on them? Okay. Just kidding. Don't check on them. They're fine. Um, he created them male and female. So why? Because he wanted to. Because that was his picture. If you ask me, why is morality this way or that way? And I'm just going to point you to Scripture, and I'm just going to say, this is what it is. Now, let's read the next verse, because this is going to answer that question for you. Uh, And you can be upset at me, or you can be upset at God, and I'll let you pick. Uh, Verse 28, God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Blah, 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 blah. Two males can't multiply, two females can't multiply. So there's something very practical happening there where a male and a female are able to procreate, where a male and a male can't and a female and a female can't. So why? Because God wanted that way. He created male and female in his image. And I'll just tell you, all through Scripture, there's a picture of a man and a woman in marriage context and where it's different It's spoken of in condemnation and sin. That is just, so you're like, well, why? Why is it that way? Because God 
made it the way he wanted to make it, okay? Now, can I go back? Let's see, question four again, just so I can remember. I don't want to skip it. Does Jesus love bisexuals and gays? Uh, I, can I just give you a resounding yes? Does Jesus love, he, Jesus loves everyone. Now, everyone, um, everyone doesn't like somebody, right? Everyone thinks that somebody doesn't deserve to be loved by God. So think of the worst person on the planet, and they're not, they don't go to your high school. I'll just tell you that. They're like, oh, they're, they're the worst. They don't know how to park. They say ugly. No, I'm talking Hitler. Does Jesus love Hitler? Yeah. Does Jesus hate, like, Jesus loves every, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is nothing in scripture to show you that he precluded someone from his blood being shed. It's just not there. And so sometimes we like to put ourselves up on this throne like, well, obviously he likes me. I'm going to church. I'm going on mission trips. I'm giving. I'm part of this and that. It's like, Congrat- that's pride. You're a sinner. Okay, that's, there's that, right? We're all on a level playing field. We're, we're just, we just are. And if you think otherwise, then I challenge you to find scripture that backs up your point of view. I just, I'm, I'll wait. Now, Jesus loves all these people. Now, so here's the, the, the heart of your question is, is, well, why can't they have it the way they want it? Let me go back to question number three to kind of uh, encounter that one. Do gay people who have a relationship with God go to heaven or hell? So let's just cut right to it. Um, the, the Bible is going to say some things about homosexuality. One of the most clear passages in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 1. Um, I'll, I'll just read that. Did I print that out? Yeah. Okay, so in, in verse 18, um, I'm happy to share any of these verses with you, by the way. They're not on the screen because there's like 200 verses. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Pause. Um, God loves everyone and hates all sin. And sometimes we like to hit hot button issues that are popular in today's culture. And so if the homosexuality thing for you is like the, oh my gosh, I have a strong belief about this. Murderers, right? Um, People who lie. Like there's all kinds of laws in scripture. So let's not camp out on this one. If it's sin, uh, sin is the enemy of God, right? Um, and, and God died, sent Jesus to pay for all that sin, but we can't just, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so he's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, the wrath of God and unrighteousness, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And boy, I'm gonna tell you, that just seems like our culture. By their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. In other words, they're just like, this is a lie, and I won't have any of it. That's suppressing the truth. God created everything. That's a lie. That's suppressing the truth. God is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. That's a lie. That's suppressing the truth. I'm going to just tell you, like, if people are like, I wish I could just have proof that blah, blah, blah. If you had proof, you would still reject them. It's just all over the Bible. People watched Jesus ascend back into heaven, just like he said he was going to do. He already died. He rose again. He's got the, you could put your hole through, you put your fingers through the hole in his hand. He ascends back into heaven and like, I'm st- I don't know. Maybe the fish is in loaves again and I'll, I'll think about it. Like, 
you will still reject. Revelation, this is prophecy that's in the future. And there's people watching the, the whole, like, the whole program of Revelation happen, and they're still rejecting him. Your eyes giving you some sort of proof is not going to fix any of this for you. So people who want to suppress the truth are going to suppress the truth. Now, Romans 1, I'm sorry, I'm getting back to it. Uh, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations, okay, for men that gave that up. And the men who likewise gave, up, gave, likewise gave up natural relations with women, they were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. There's six particular places in Scripture that call out homosexuality as sin. Also, I think I told you guys earlier, the sexual immorality, can you just put the sexual immorality uh, slide back up? Because I just want to make sure that we're just so clear. Um, this isn't like, we're just talking about homosexuality. This is like when, when people are married and decide to cheat on their spouses. This is when you decide to have sex before you're married, which is sex outside of, of a one-man, one-woman relationship, okay? This is all forms. This is sexual abuse. This is rape. This is all those things are ugly, right? Does God love rapists? Yes. Does he love rape? No, obviously not but he paid for those sins on the cross. Does he love rapists? Yes, and that boggles your brain, I know. Right, does God love bisexuals and gays? Yes, he does. He loves them so much that he would send his only son. Does he love the fact that I like to lie every once in a while? No, but does he love me? Yes, Does he love any of our sin? Like, if you were to put your your sin on display, you'd be embarrassed. But God loves you, and he paid for that sin. So let me just boil it down. Put the uh, question number three. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing back and forth, but I want to make sure this is clear. Do gay people who have a relationship with God go to heaven or hell? Let me just kind of boil this down, because you're like, you haven't answered the question yet, Mark. Who goes to heaven? Actually, let's do this. Who goes to hell? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Non-Christians? Okay, let's keep going. Y'all have to speak up. People people who don't believe Jesus is the Son of God? People say that again? Reject the path of God? Okay, yeah. Brennan? Yeah. Who? Uh, go ahead. People who don't think that he died for us. Okay, who goes to heaven? How do you get to heaven? Have a relationship with God? Accepting Jesus your Lord and Savior? Believe Jesus? Okay, we've, we've tapped, we've, we've kind of scratched the surface there. Did you have an answer? I can't hear you. Oh, repent? Boy, that's a good word. So what does repent mean? Repent means... You do a 180, you have a change of mind and a change of behavior. So let me just, let me just kind of, we are not going to answer all the questions, and that is a bummer. Maybe we'll figure it out. This is the best illustration that I can give to wrap our time up. The church gets a bad rap for being judgmental. Because here's what people think. 
This is the thing that I really want you to walk away with, okay? People think that the church is like gatekeeping heaven. Like, these people can't come in. These people can't come in. These people can't come in. Don't come to our church. If you do that or if you believe that or whatever, if you vote that way, people think the church is judgmental. And hear me, some Christians are crazy judgmental. I'll give you my perspective of what the church should be. The church, which is uh, the people of God, it's literally the called out people of God. That's what the word means. It's not the building. It's the Christians, okay? So if you're a Christian, you're part of the church. We're the body of Christ, right? The church is over here saying, um, God gave us the word of God. He gave us Jesus. We have all these eyewitness accounts. We have all these writings describing who God is. Colossians 1, he's the image of the invisible God. So when we saw Jesus walk this earth and do all those things and say all those things 2,000 years ago, we said, we're all in on that, and I've pushed all my chips in. My entire life is banking on the fact that Jesus is king. And if he's not, then I made some sort of giant mistake. I'm just telling you, my whole world is Jesus is king. And my life, to the best of my ability, revolves around that. Now, let me show you my posture. My posture as it relates to that and the world, please don't, please don't lose me here because this is going to help you understand my heart in, this, in answering this question. Let's say that y'all are the world and here's Jesus, right? right? Jesus is, is the cross, right? Jesus is right behind me. And I'm just saying like, Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Here's what I would rather do. I'd rather just step out of the way and be like, just look. Just look. Just look. Because you know what? What I say doesn't matter. What I believe doesn't matter. Just look. Just look at Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is king? Who goes to heaven? The people who have put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yes. Yes. Of course. So why can't everyone just go? Because not everyone who professes faith in Jesus, don't miss me, doesn't want to give up their sin. And they hold on to that. And by holding on to that, they're saying, I don't want Jesus. I want this selfishness. I want this lying. I want this sin way more than Jesus. I'm over here saying, believe what you want. I'm going to tell you to the best of my ability that Jesus is king and he's come to save us from our sin. So just look. I think people think that we're standing here saying like, I decide because I'm a member of the church. Vote this way. Believe this way. You're wrong. You're a liar. You're a sinner. I get in. You don't. People think that. It's not that way at all. You know what it is? It's just like we're saying, like, here's the deal. <laughs> this says some things that God says. Will you just read it? And so here's, here's the deal. The Christians are not the perfect ones. We're not the perfect ones. There's going to be so many people who are saved from their sin and did a poor job of walking it out, but they truly gave their life to Jesus, and they had a posture of like, man, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to try to let you work through me. But there's people. There's people that called themselves a Christian but never really wanted Jesus. They wanted their sin. And so here, the Bible's full of our guidelines and explanation of truth and what is sin and what is righteousness. 
You don't get to sin because you're better at righteousness than others. It's not you go to heaven because you're better at not sinning than others. But Romans, Romans 6, I mean, I'm over my time, but I just got to say this. Did I write it down? Romans 6 is going to say it this way. Well, actually, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord of Christ. People who go to heaven have peace with God because Jesus purchased that peace on the cross. And they said, I surrender. I put my identity in Jesus. That's it. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to let the Lord work on me. One chapter later. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, man, Jesus has paid for all this. We can keep sinning. You know what? He already paid for it. I had that, I had that belief when I was your age. It's like, so it seems, it seems like God will just forgive me if I look at porn tonight. I'll just look at porn. Now, does that sound right? Now, you should be like shaking your head like, oh, of course not. Like, oh, God will forgive me. So I'm just going to continue. In sin. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may be abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? So here's, here's what I'm going to say. I don't want to make this about like which sin is worse. It's just sin. But if you are choosing to hold on to your sin, when Jesus is like, man, I want you to hold on to me. You're not going to be perfect. It's not going to work like perfectly like you want it. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to take the wrong path a couple times. But then the person who's like really devoted to Jesus is the person who repents, who turns around, who has sorrow and shame over that, who has confessed and has put their faith in Jesus. You can tell because they're a new creation. And you can tell because of the fruit. You can tell because of the way they love each other. Okay? So here's, here's what I want to tell you. Man, it's so easy for us to just be judgmental. Can we just have a posture as Christians just to be like, <clears throat> I'm just going to let him do the talking. Like, it's just him. I didn't make any rules. Like, this has nothing to do with, this isn't the church of Mark Cox. Like, this isn't what I say goes. It's just like, listen, Jesus said some stuff, and I'm just going to worship him. Okay? You want to worship him? Let's worship him together. I can't make anyone change their mind. But for those of us that said, like, yeah, Jesus is king. And so we've rearranged our life around. The Bible actually says we look foolish to the world. And that's why that question comes in. Because the world's saying, you won't let them in. I actually had a conversation with someone the other day. He said, yeah, your church won't welcome me because, you know, I'm gay and my people aren't welcoming your church. I said, boy, you have it wrong. You have it so wrong. Okay, here's what we're saying. We're all jacked up. We're all jacked. We all got our own sin. And we're all just trying to, as best we can, like lay it at the feet of Jesus, surrender to him, put our identity in him, and let him do the work in us. But if, if you, in your heart of hearts, want your sin more than Jesus, I got to tell you, I think you've got some business to do with God. And you might have lied to yourself a little bit about where you stand with Jesus. Okay? Because does God love, right? are there going to be people in, in heaven that we're like, I had no clue. Yeah, we're going to be surprised. Are there going to be church people, like your church friends, who don't go to heaven because they never put their faith in Jesus? That's the other side of this coin. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be people who do that. Do you love Jesus? Do you want him more than anything? Do you want God more than anything in this world? then yeah, your fruit's probably going to show. Does God love 
sinners, murderers, liars. Mm -hmm. He doesn't love the sin. He wants you to find your purpose and your identity in him. All right, I'm over time. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these students. Thank you for loving us. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the freedom. <laughs> it is not my decision who's in and who's out. Thank you for giving me the freedom to just put my faith in you and no one's banking any of this on me, but just we gotta read the word of God on our own and come to our own conclusion, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would surrender to you and that's it. I pray that we would find our hope in only you, not a church, not a specific kind of teaching, not a person on this planet, but Lord, Jesus Christ would be our king. That's what I pray. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.